Paige Turner Zoomcast. My name is Karen Payne and I am the Director of Communications at Davidson United Methodist Church. These have definitely be in, have been interesting days and months living during this COVID-19 pandemic. We are experiencing toilet paper shortages, homeschooling our children, major sporting events being canceled, wearing masks to go out in public. It's crazy to think about how much all of our lives have changed in such a short period of time. We wanted to create this informal discussion format to help keep you, the congregation, informed on what is happening at DUMC during this time of quarantine and looking ahead into what our new normal may look like in the future. We plan to share and recap some of the conversations we have been having over the last two months to help you understand a few of the decisions that have been made. Given this title of the Zoomcast, you may have already guessed who I will be talking with today. I'd like to introduce our senior pastor, Reverend Shane Page. Karen, great to see you. Good to see you too, Shane. And also our director, our pastor of music and worship, Reverend Dr. Kevin Turner. Hey there. Hey. So Kevin, you have added a new title to your title. You have recently earned your doctorate degree. Congratulations. Thank that you. That is a huge accomplishment to achieve while working a very demanding full-time job and raising a family. Can you share with us where you studied and what your thesis was about? Absolutely. Um, I uh, started studying in 2016 at Southern Methodist University, which is located in Dallas, Texas. And the point of the degree is for people like me, I've been at Davidson almost 21 years, uh, for, for people that have been doing what I've been doing for this long, to kind of reinvest, to figure out how the church has changed over the years and to be uh, rejuvenated and, and kind of grow in education. So can you expand a little bit on what your thesis was about? Sure. The main part of the thesis for me was our young adult choir. Uh, we call it SCOLA at Davidson. And um, it started from when we were having, uh, we've had such a great youth choir uh, experience for so many years. And then um, students would go off to college and graduate and they were sort of in our orbit at, at DUMC. And we would plug them in from, you know, once in a while. But uh, I really wanted to dig in and figure out how to uh, bring them back into the life of the church, what we call ecclesiology. And um, so we've spent the last two or three years working on that. I just submitted my um, paper today. Actually, it's been uploaded to the web. So um, we'll see how that goes. Very exciting. So um, how do you plan to implement some of your learnings into today's, today's world with church? Sure. Well, um, I have a really good friend that said he used his doctorate every every day of his uh, his career, and I've begun to see the same thing. Um, and and not whether you all knew it at Davidson or not, we've actually been implementing some of these uh, ideas that I've learned. Some of the music we've learned and 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 used in worship. Uh, take oh take me as I am. Uh, when we had the instruments a couple of years ago from Lake Norman High School. Uh, that was for a class of mine. I was able to take some conducting lessons with one of the directors of the Charlotte Symphony, and I was able to um, 
learn some some new th ideas of theology um, and learn uh, from leadership classes and some prayers, some classes on prayer. Very good. Um, you also had said that you were one of the first students to actually go through this program. What was that like? Um, I likened it to, I told the faculty, it's sort of like riding a bike while they're putting it together. Um, it's, been, it's been a great experience to um, craft the degree for me, what works well at Davidson. And I've been grateful that um, I've gotten that flexibility. It's, they've really been patient at SMU and also at DMC to allow me to kind of figure out where the gaps are in my education. And, um, and, and the good news is the people behind me are gonna do the same thing. It's not, a, it's not a solidified kind of syllabus. Everybody takes the same thing. There's a lot of room for personal uh, choices, electives, I guess is the right word to say. Well, congratulations. I know it was a lot of work on top of a lot of other things going on with life and trying to um, submit something on that scale is is, is um, not an easy undertaking. So congratulations. We, we know how hard you have worked. So we're very proud of you. Thank you. Um, will there be a graduation for you? You're kind of one of the 2020 graduates that may not have a ceremony. What are your plans? Will you be able to walk? The graduation was actually scheduled for this Saturday, May 16th. Uh, they have post Southern Methodist has postponed it to August. Uh, the, I think it's August 17th. That's the plan. But they've told us to be very flexible and um, they may have to postpone it or do it virtually as well. So we're just kind of like the rest of life sitting in a holding pattern. Well, great. Well, congratulations. And um, I don't know what you're going to do now with all of your extra time. <laughs> I'm sure my wife has a few things. <laughs> so um, going, talking a little bit more about worship and, and what we've been going through now, um, Shane, we've recently, um, when, we, when COVID-19 started, we were live streaming and then we stopped and we started cre created pre-recorded slash on-demand worship videos. And now we're back to live streaming. Can you walk us through um, how that all transpired and why we went from live streaming to pre-recorded back to live streaming? Oh yeah, sure. Um, and, and before I go in uh, to any details about that, I do want to say to, to all credit is due, if we're gonna call this show the page turner, the name actually comes from our sons, uh, Kevin's son and my son in their play together. So there it is. Oh. They want to copyright it, but you know, there are legal fees with that. So we, we got one up on, on that one. So, uh, but yeah, uh, we decided to go to pre-recorded uh, shortly after the same week that the stay at home ordinance was put into effect. Did that for really two reasons. Uh, the first reason was we wanted to uphold the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law was of course, if you can stay at home, stay at home. Uh, that was exactly, you know, dovetails to the other primary factor, which was the safety of the staff. And so we began to ask ourselves, okay, the spirit of the law is stay at home. How can we uh, uphold the spirit of that law and still offer worship? Maybe in a different way, but how can we offer, you know, uh, uh, the, the bear, the meat potatoes of worship, uh, a sermon, some music? And so then the decision was to pre-record the services 
That way we would do both. We would both uh, stay at home and we would um, keep the staff and others safe. Uh, and then it was always the goal to resume the live stream once the stay at home ordinance uh, was lifted, once the restrictions were lifted, which occurred on the 8th when we began phase one. And so our first live stream worship was then Sunday, May the 10th. So that was really the, the thought process into it. Great. What, how, I mean, obviously our live streaming normal worship and our pre-recorded videos were really two different products or services. Um, they both, I feel, encompassed the same of worship, you know, getting all of our worship items in there, but they were completely different. What would you say like what some of the goals of the pre-recorded videos were? Well, the goal is, like I said, you know, how can we um, give our people a worship service that is more or less going to also embrace the different climate that we're in? Live streaming, we could talk about, you know, the, the pros and cons of, of stopping it or, or proceeding with it. Um, but it has changed the climate of how we do worship. And so by pre-recording, we're basically just embracing the, the different climate that we are in. And this is something that maybe we can get into. And this is something Kevin and I talked about. How are we also now going to primarily receive the worship? Well, through this very laptop, through this very screen. Um, so therefore, it almost would need to be made for TV. And, and we can get into the details for that. Well, well, then what would that look like? How do you engage people if they're primarily going to receive it through this medium of a screen? Well, there, there are ways to do that. We could add images. Uh, we can make things a little briefer than, the, than they were. So it was trying to encompass all of that in embracing the reality that we're in. Um, what are your thoughts going forward to live streaming now that we're back to live streaming? First of all, actually, I think, um, you know, I'm always curious kind of to the behind the scenes with what happens with worship. But how do you feel preaching to an empty sanctuary? Is that hard for a pastor to do? I mean, it, it really does look and feel different watching it. And how is it from your view? Different? Yes. Um See, the thing is, is that it's, this, this period has really driven home the reality that preaching is an event that requires both the speaker and the hearer. And it's an organic process. And I have really discovered the importance of, of having bodies in the room um, through their body gestures, you know, their facial expressions being able to read uh, the congregation, you know, that's something that is missed. And, um, but it's really driven home that, you know, preaching is, it's an organic thing. It's, it's an embodied event that requires people and the presence of people. But, you know, thank God that we're able to even offer it through this medium. That's a great thing. Kevin, what have been some of the um, challenge you, challenges you have faced um, even during, not, um, right now with live streaming, but even going back when we were being told that we might be quarantined, I remember working with you um, leading up to those days where we weren't sure what our lives were going to look like. And 
Um, you were really quick to react to thinking really far ahead in such a short period of time. What were some of the things that you were facing um, during all this? Well, once we knew um, or we became aware that there was going to be a quarantine coming in effect, I think I can remember that day as well, Karen. We Virginia came up to the church and we recorded a whole bunch of tunes really quickly. And we did that with uh, the choir as well. We got a... Um, it's interesting to say, going back to the doctorate discussion, the people that um, were able to come at, at a moment's notice were members of the SCOLA group, the young adult group. They were um, very eager to help, and we were very grateful for that. And so we spent a couple of nights and a couple of live stream uh, Sundays after worship. We recorded some anthems, uh, but it wasn't enough. It went on longer than we thought it would, would happen. And uh, so Virginia and Ryan and I had to um, adapt and grow and learn some new things. And, and you've seen some of those uh, on the pre-recorded. Uh, I've got lots of great friends around the country that do good music and we tapped them to use an app called Acapella. Um, and there are others out there as well. Um, and Virginia has been really helpful on helping us um, get all that together. And we've just uh, enjoyed trying to still be creative for worship and still be meaningful and tie into what uh, the scripture is saying. Uh, to us as well. So we've had to learn and adapt to, to um, you know, it's been nice in some ways because we can record things two or three times and get a really good sound um, as opposed to live stream where you just do it once and that's it. You get what you get. Um, but it's also given us a chance to kind of see a new uh, medium. And we've done a project with the youth choirs and we're probably going to start one with the chancel choir as well. Uh, to do these virtual choirs that you've seen online maybe but they take a lot of work they take a lot of work it doesn't happen simultaneously you have to uh, each do your own part individually so there's a certain element to music making like shane said about preaching um you know the work the word liturgy means work of the people and so for us it's weird to not be working together to praise god it's at the end yeah but it's for us individually we're in our own houses sitting at the piano um, in your bedroom singing to a uh, pre-recorded track. So it definitely has been off, uh, off-putting in some ways, but we've had to learn um, how to do a new thing. Yes, I think all of us have been pushed out of our comfort zones and um, are learning new skills every day in some, some level. Um, what do you think about going forward, Shane? I mean, do you have any ideas as to... I mean, nobody has the crystal ball. We would all like to have that crystal ball as to when we will be back worshiping with everybody together. Do you have any thoughts on when that might be or what's currently in place right now? Well, I think that it's going to be a while. Um, as far as the timeline, it's, it's really hard to speculate. Uh, I, what I have said, what the staff has already discussed, we will be looking to, to the bishop, our bishop, our conference to lead us uh, through this and we'll be following the guidelines of our governor and the CDC. And we're going to do this in a way that that's safe. So I think that, you know, this this live streaming of worship is going to be here for a while. But it's exactly that very uh, point that has made me think about kind of a theology of, of online worship, you know, and what this means going forward. I mean, the first thing we want to say is, well, you know, thank God for the for the technology to be able to do this. I mean, if we were if we were in this period of time, 30, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, well, I don't know how would we 
we would be connecting uh, through worship, if at all. They would almost close the church for a period of time. So I want everybody to hear, yes, this is a good thing. I'm glad that we're able to connect this way. But, but, but I do have reservations about whether this can be sustainable as worship for a long period of time. And what I'm going to say is going to sound academic. I'll get back to really what uh, the point that I'm going to try to make. But my mind has been going back to uh, some of the things that I had to learn in seminary. And when you're a student in seminary, you have to learn these uh, things called heresies. And uh, the reason you have to learn the heresies is because they always tend to come back. You never quite get rid of them. I was thinking about really two of these heresies, these movements, kind of counter movements within the Christian uh, movement itself. Gnosticism was one and the other one was docetism. Now, we can spend all day on these two, but Gnosticism, for instance, and this is a gross simplification. But what Gnosticism was, is it was a reduction of Christianity primarily to an intellectual appeal. Uh, Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, knowledge. So what Christianity is ultimately about is not things of the body. It's, it's not about material fleshly matters. It's more about spiritual intellectual matters. It's, it's what you know, it's information. And the other one was docetism. And docetism was a heresy that denied the human nature of Jesus, that he seemed to be human. He appeared to be fleshly, but he was only fleshly virtually. He was a virtual human, but he wasn't really a human. Now, I've been thinking about these two things when it comes to online worship. Again, I'm for it. I'm glad we can offer it. But are there dangers to this? Yes, I think there is, because it can easily lead us to think through this online technology and how we are experiencing worship is primarily it's an intellectual experience. It's an intellectual phenomenon. So we are reducing the kind of materiality of the faith to information alone. So we're just appealing to the intellect and it can lead us to believe that we can fully worship in a virtual way without necessarily the material means of the body itself, because Christianity is what we call an incarnational faith. Jesus became true materiality, true flesh. He was incarnate. And so Christianity deals with things like oil, water, bread, wine, other human bodies. And, and, and then, so we can't say we're having the fullness of worship to the exclusion of those things. Now, here's where we are in the short term. We will continue to do this. But to say that we can now just completely rely on this uh, as, a, as a primary means of worship without the materiality I think that uh, we should be very reserved about that. So how are we able to bring, how, is there a solution for that? Like how are we able to not just rest on our laurels and just watch worship without it being worship? That for, for now, the, the, the mindset needs to be that we're in a temporary place. 
Um, and that when we are allowed to reopen, then it is going to be critical for us as Christians to make sure we are incarnational in our worship, that we truly need to be together. Because see, preaching, as I just said a moment ago, as it is with the music, and Kevin can speak to this as well, preaching is uh, an organic event. It is, it is something that happens. It's a material event. Singing itself is a material event. You've got instruments, you've got the sound waves. Uh, you know, all of that is, is a part of the fleshiness. God became flesh among us and he wants to be worshiped through the material means of, of human flesh and through the materiality of say, let's, you know, the sacraments and other things. Okay. Well, hopefully, you know, we don't know what the future holds, but I know that people are anxious to get back to a new normal or to get back to being in church. And I think that's something we've heard from some of our members is that they do miss now. They're, they are craving communion. They're craving to be in the church. And you've addressed that before in one of your um, video updates. And, um, you know, I think that hit home, hit home to a lot of people that you don't really realize how much you miss it until you really don't have it anymore. And it's kind of awakening that desire and that deepening in you to to grow and to be with with the Lord. So, um, I, but I do feel like we're all getting anxious and antsy. Um, I know from um, being on staff at UMC that we do have a committee that is working very hard on when we can get back into church together, what that will look like analyzing every single possibility that could go wrong and what we can do um, to keep people keep people safe. Um, that's definitely our number one priority is keeping our congregations safe. Um, do you have any other um, advice or input about what our reopening may look like at all? Well, I think it'll be phased in. I think it'll be over a slow period of time. We're looking, um, there'll be some more information that the, the church will receive once we've gone through the formal processes here. But I do want to speak again, you know, theologically about your other comment. I want Kevin to say as much as well. Why are we craving to be together? I would say this, is that as baptized Christians, we were created for community. We are inducted into the body of Christ. We are therefore um, attached, so to speak, to the head, who's the Lord, and to the other members of the body. See, that's exactly why a virtual communion or a virtual community just will not cut it. There has to be a kind of density to our experience of the Christian life. And, and maybe can speak a little bit more to that. Sure. I mean, I think, um, and Shane and I have discussed this as well, we and our family sometimes stay up late and watch uh, the late shows, and now they're doing the same thing we're doing today and, and having the, the, the daily show or, or the, the tonight show, and they're telling jokes, and they're just not funny. Mm -hmm. And I think the same reason. I think we need each other to know when to laugh, when to cry, um, and to be there for each other when we, you know, I, I can... I can say the Apostles' Creed when you're sitting next to me and maybe you can't. I can say I believe in God the Father. This is a, an incarnational experience. And again, to go back to, to worship, uh, you know, we did pre-recorded stuff and I was home on Easter Sunday. And that was a weird experience for me. Mm -hmm. But it's weird to me 
to to not sing. Uh, it felt weird to me to try to sing along. But I know once we did that as a family, we felt more like it was closer to. It wasn't the same. Uh, but I hear from some of you saying, you know, oh, we just watched the, the, the video or the, the live stream, uh, but don't sing along. I would encourage you to sing along. If it's the Apostles' Creed, it, it feels weird when you're sitting there with your family. Uh, but if you lean into that, it can feel a little better. But that's the, I think that speaks to what Shane's saying. It's what feels weird. It's not worship is not a lecture. Worship is not a concert. You're not coming to hear someone speak or sing. Uh, we're all in this together, and I think that's why we're feeling so lost. And I think we have so so many things on Facebook in my world with uh, choir singing. There there's some data out there that says that's not going to be a, a viable thing in the future. Um, I would say if you're reading that or listening to this, um, keep hope alive. This is um, w the science is changing daily on this, and we'll figure uh, just like we figured out how to do worship uh, with with musicians from around the world. We might be have to do some different things, worship in the in the sanctuary again differently. Um, don't despair. Keep hope. Yeah, and and I just want to say just one more thing about you know if if you've got a family and you're, and you're watching the videos, the live streams, sing the music. This is another danger, not an evil. See, this the technology is a good thing. Uh, it's there's a risk though involved. And here I'm going back to the writings of uh, a book that I read many years ago by uh, a scientist named Neil Postman, and I believe he was just appealing to other thinkers in the field. But he had this great saying, saying, say, saying that the medium is the message. And what did he mean by that? He used this example of the Lincoln-Douglas debate. I think that uh, when President Lincoln and Douglas, when they were contending for the presidency, they debated each other for hours. And everybody uh, in the space was listening to this really intellectual debate for hours. And how Neil Postman said that that could never fly in today's day. And the reason for that is because at the time he was writing, we have this thing called TV. And TV exists for entertainment purposes. And so now when we receive information like a presidential debate, it has to be entertaining. It, in other words, the medium reduces the message to its box, you know, to, uh, to the message that the box is sending, which is, entertain me. Okay, here's my point. All of us are using our devices right now. And we use this laptop, good things, we're able to connect with each other. But what are we primarily using the laptop for? What message does the laptop or the phone itself send us? Well, that everything's informational. It's here to just, you know, uh, it's consumptive. I just consume something and it's entertaining. So when we do worship, again, I'm not knocking what we're doing, but worship can be reduced now to a form of, well, it's just information here to edify me, or I am consuming a product. It is a commodity and I need to be entertained through it. That's what we have to watch or, or be mindful of as we are experiencing worship through this medium. We don't want the message to be reduced to just a form of information, another link, uh, you know, to another set of, of realities somewhere out there in, in cyberspace. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Worship is not a TED talk. Correct. Yeah, it can't exactly. be a TED talk and it's not, it's more than just a lecture. Yes. 
So then what about if we, you know, what about bringing our worship outside and doing it in the parking lot or doing it on the town green? Why can't we, why aren't we able to do some of that stuff? Well, it's I think it's a possibility to do that stuff. We just need the space and the time and it, you know, it takes great planning. Um, but, but whatever it takes to become embodied again and to be together again, because we were created for community, this is what it means to be in the body of Christ. That's what we want to work toward. Great. And I think that is something that we are working for towards. I think yeah. we really, we really are. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, and I'll just say one other thing. I always keep coming up with one other thing to say. And I think Kevin would agree with me. Karen, you would too. There's something to be said about the discipline of getting up, getting dressed, getting your kids corralled and driving to the church. It, it forms us. Uh, that discipline does something to us. And what it does is it reinforces our commitment by watching online, you're in the comforts of your home. God bless it. We have homes. Well, it can become almost too convenient and you begin to lose what really was a virtuous habit, a discipline. You know, you you can't, for instance, go to you know uh, boot camp. You can't do that virtually. You got to get your body involved. And, and it's through uh, your body that we cultivate great virtues. It's hard to cultivate good virtues virtually. It requires us to do something. And is, is going to church sometimes an inconvenience? Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's precisely by fighting through the inconvenience that we are forming our character. So again, getting back to just the discipline of getting up is in of itself of paramount importance in the Christian life. Well said. So is there anything else, Kevin or Shane, that you would like to um to add as we wrap up this session. <laughs> Kevin, you always have something to say. You, you, you have nothing left to say, huh? No, uh, we miss you. We miss all the people out there in, in DMC land. Um, we're thankful for Facebook and other social media to keep, keep track of people. Um, and it's nice when we're reviewing the videos or live streams to see the, the comments, um, but it's not the same. And so, you know, we want to be safe and do the right thing to protect people. Uh, but just know that we have a hunger to get back together and sing together. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah and I would, I would um, reiterate all of that. I want to thank everybody for their support. I mean, it's really been tremendous how the church has responded during this time. And um, I'm just so grateful. You know, the pre-recorded videos that we did during those weeks, as different as they were, they... Um, they were far more effective than I ever anticipated. Uh, it was great to see people sharing them with other people. So I just want to thank everybody for their support um, and keep your habits alive. Sing the hymns when you see them on screen, join with us, join with your family. Uh, we, we don't want to lose the, you know, the virtuous habits um, of our faith. Well, thank you all for watching us today, and we hope you enjoyed these conversations and that they were insightful and helpful. We'd love to hear back from you. Please send us your feedback, and if you have any questions or topics you'd like to have us discuss in future episodes, please email me at kpain at davidsonumc.org. 
We appreciate your support of DUMC and please stay safe and healthy. Have a great day. Thank you.